Hey, everybody, welcome to Public Access America's Just, Just the, the Tips. Tip. Hey, do you have any uh, any Just the Tips before we sign off? You know, uh, I would say uh, my Just the Tip is make sure you do like regular maintenance, especially for yourself. It's important. Keeps your head in the right spot. I love that. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. I love you. Love you, too. It's time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. The problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. conscience. Because that is how it works. This is the beginning, it is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. Find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. So here's my question about agriculture. The, right now, right now, the number one producer of wheat is fighting the number two producer of wheat. And the only way out of it, and what the U.S. is doing is by unrelying on foreign resources and shortening supply chains, which we've talked about, which I find fascinating, but we need to create a new source of a supply chain here in the mm-hmm. lack of wheat because our grocery bills are going to go up because everything's made with flour and carbs and wheat, you know? So can a, Mm -hmm. can a, can a farmer in the United States that grows soybeans or corn or potatoes suddenly say, I'm going to grow wheat. Is that possible? Like in the off season to plan and predict like right now, could they say we got to put in wheat? No. couple of reasons number one the assumption that the equipment for picking potatoes versus picking wheat uh-huh um, totally different. not the same no 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 you could you have somebody go instead of planting barley i'm going to plant wheat yeah okay could. that's that's you know you have to if you're going to do that you have to find similar crops okay but on the second side of this too you know what what we have is is uh, an issue with the fact that we can't grow on off season mm. so so wheat needs, you know, warm summer weather in order to, you know, grow, ripen, harvest. Right. Okay. And you can't do that over the course of the winter. Now, if you could come up with a winter crop that you could say grow, harvest, and then, you know, till under, which I wouldn't okay. recommend necessarily, but harvest, get to, down to, you know, stubble or whatever, and then plant wheat. Could you do it? Potentially. Uh, realistically, no, because, you know, at least with things like barley and, and Durham and, you know, other grains like that, I love Durham oats, Mm. you have a very, you have a very similar crop system. You have a very similar planting system. You could do that, but therein lies the rub is, is that, uh, from changing from one crop to another you're now creating a shortage of another crop so yeah yeah yeah. solve for that right how do you solve for that and this is where you know i'm gonna go back to my good old my good old favorite the one that you know everybody sees as the boogeyman but it's really not and it's genetic modification the answer is not simply that you know it's not it's not simply to just grow more crops you know, that's, that's, there is that issue. But when you look at the way that supply lines are threatened, when you look at the way that, you know, we're going to be growing food, you have to have the ability, especially in a, in a scenario where, you know, we're looking at how the climate is disrupting certain uh, industries, you have to have the ability to, you know, essentially hedge those issues. You have to have grain in storage. You have to have, you have to have not just enough crop to feed you for the year, but to feed you for however long to avoid famines. 
or with the understanding that you're going to see, you know, the number, the amount of crop that you grow dissipate. Right. And that you're going to be eating into your savings, your na- your national savings, while still producing. And so it's a matter of how do you keep that supply line met? I think, <clears throat> that, the, I, and think that's... I think people forget that that wheat and grains is the fuel industry of the body. Whereas oil is for the mechanical stuff we build like wheat and grains. That's, that's what fuels humanity. (laughs) And that's going to be a disruption too in an already inflated economy, you know? Right. Well, and that's, and that's where this gets really interesting. You know, we're growing wheat because it's the one thing that we're used to, but here's the, here's the real question. Is it the grain that we should be growing? I think that's a, better that's a great question. question. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't have an answer for that to be perfectly honest. And, and that's something that we need to, you know, we really need to be looking at. And yeah, is, does that mean that things would taste different, be different, feel different? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the question would, then the question is, is, you know, would you have the, the food sources secured and supplied for you. Right. Like the thing about oats is like freaking oats grow like wildfire. Like that's one of those things, right? You know, it's, it's great. But at the same time too, you know, if that's not what you're looking for in terms of, you know, your food source, that's, you know, going to create some problems. Personally, I love, you know, things like using oat flour and things like that. It has a nice sweet texture to it, Oh yeah. but it's also, but because it's not very glutinous, it creates a denser bread. Right. Give me coconut you know, flour, by the way, it just adds this moisture and yeah, it's also gluten-free. Um, spelt is one of my favorite grains. Ooh. Um, it tastes it tastes so good to me. I love it. Right. Oh, I don't know. So, People- so the question I think that's that is the the question that we have to be asking ourselves. It's it's not that you know I'm a, you know my family are wheat farmers. There's no question about that. And, and so you've put thought is, into this. I, I, absolutely, because you know your your survival as a farmer depends on your ability yeah. to grow a crop that is going to produce enough crop that is going to have a price that you can sell and survive at. That's right. Now you can make and, a penny and, on corn or a dollar on wheat, right? If wheat's in demand, make, if soy's in demand, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You could, you could make a penny on corn and dollar on wheat, but you know, on, when you look at the per acre, you know, if I'm, you know, you know, if I'm going to grow a dollar's worth of wheat, then I have to grow a dollar's worth of wheat on the same set of, is on the same acreage that I would grow a dollar's worth of corn. And then right. you have to look at your inputs from there. Right. You know, and that's the difference is, is that, you know, as a dryland farmer, you know, trying to grow wheat is never going to work yeah. for a dryland farmer or trying to grow corn is never going to work for a dryland farmer. You're never going to have the moisture that you need in order to grow a decent crop, but growing Ooh. wheat on the other hand, very easy. Now the question is, is even in those dryland scenarios, are there crops that number one, fare better, number two, produce more, number three sure. could at least offer a price point that would be competitive to wheat Dry and cotton. would provide <laughs> and would provide potentially a more predictable and stable cash crop. Right. That is the question that every farmer, you know, if, if they're thinking about their existence and survival as a farmer is going to be thinking about, it's not just simply the fact that they're producing wheat. It's that our, you know, is the crop that I'm producing sustainable? Am I going to be able to continue my operations? Am I going to be able to sell this crop? And that's where you've had so many different fad crops come in in different places at different times. And, and it, you know, they're pain, you know, some of them are great and they make great money, but they're pain in the ass. Some of them not so great. Garbanzo beans, one of my personal favorites, you make a killing off of garbanzo beans. Mm. It's it's fantastic. The problem is, is that it's a pain in the ass. And more often than not, you have a lot of equipment issues with it. Right. Um, Because, you know, especially as wheat farmers, you know, you're really focused more on, you know, your system working for wheat. And so when you have to retool it for, for uh, garbanzo beans or chickpeas, um, it becomes a pain in the ass. Mm. I love the chickpea. God bless the chickpea. So you're saying it's great. You're saying our dietary desires should be based more on what could be producible instead of producers trying to keep up with a demand of just desire. I think, I think, I think that's from the consumer side of it. 
we have to start looking at the expectation of what is going to be able to be produced and be readily right. available. But we, should, but we should be happy with an influx of strawberries over oranges one year. We should be happy Absolutely. with an influx of avocados over I don't I don't know squash <laughs> you know what i mean like exactly if we if it's the season for squash maybe americans should be getting more squash recipes instead of paying more for potatoes you know what That's i mean like, you know like like right now for example like we, i mean we do have those expectations on a small scale so like for example right about now is going to be the peak for asparagus harvest and and you'll see during this time that there's going to be a lot of places and a lot of people are going to be serving asparagus if you've ever gone to a restaurant and you see on the menu they will have seasonal vegetables what they're doing is they're setting the expectation that you know whatever vegetables you're going to be get during that time frame are going to be freshly harvested vegetables that are grown and harvested during that time frame so the idea is, is is that by looking at having your dietary needs change with the season and uh, and being able to understand that you know you're going to meet certain expectations of providing certain foods during seasons we, it's something that we've already started to look at at least in a consumer realm might not necessarily be so much consumer driven as it is you know hey, what do I have the ability to access? But the, the expectation is there by restaurants saying, you know, quote unquote, and seasonal vegetables. Right. So, so then the question becomes, you know, you know we, don't, we don't necessarily think of wheat as a seasonable, uh, as, as seasoned, uh, right. a seasonable, seasonable commodity. Exactly. And the reason why is because we can generally grow more than enough to serve, you know, to, sure. to feed us throughout an entire year. It's a biblical, but, it's a biblical stock, you know, we're always going to have it. I mean, it's, the it's what killed becomes, the Egyptians, isn't it? <laughs> but the question then becomes is, is if wheat or any number of crops becomes less than sustainable, mm -hmm. what is the suitable replacement for it? Exactly. Like the banana, right? We need to have a, a wheat crop that's similar to the banana. Or, or, you know, and that's, you know, in the past, what we had done was, you know, we looked for different, you know, different plants, different, uh, mm -hmm. we looked at, we looked at different replacement plants that were, you know, pretty much within the same family. So like, uh, you know, the, the banana that essentially went extinct because of the fungus, you know, now you have a different banana, you know, bananas supposedly, uh, you know, in the 1950s tasted much different. They're much oh, yeah. sweeter, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, compared to the bananas that we have now, now wait, the question wait, sweeter, sweeter, more sooner. Like, you don't, you didn't have to let them age. Like you do these, they didn't have to get quite as yellow to be as sweet, but they, you know, whatever. Anyway. And so, and, and so that there, there comes the question is, is that, you know, we have all of these, you know, we have all of these crops, you know, currently, Mm-hmm genetic genetic modification genetic engineering is doing things like making them fungus resistant right and and how do we do that with say bananas for example could we bring back dead varieties that you know worked in hardier times but you know for whatever reason um they you know essentially went close to extinct right. because they just weren't viable given a certain time frame because of the fungus you know, right a certain certain client uh climate so could you genetically engineer some of these old varieties to be hardier and yeah, to grow in them our, back? To grow in our region or even Mexico's region would reduce a supply mm -hmm. chain. That would be so cool. And then, yeah, like your local community farmers are going to have shipments of whatever grew best in your area at the time. Support that. Find out what your local uh, commodities are and support that so that your your local farmers know what to grow. And in Florida, we have over 86,000 farms because we have a great season for it. You know what I mean? And so I really mm. love saying do that. Like going to a farmer's market is one thing. They're trying to figure out what you're going to buy so they know what to grow on a small scale. <laughs> but if they could know what their community is going to buy and grow for that, you would have more diversity in the farms because farms could be covering different things, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about biofuels? Like growing food specifically for fuel instead of to feed people? I think, unfortunately, like, I, I think the promise of it 
was not as good as we would have wanted it to be. It's uh, not where it should things. be by now, but it could be, or we should give up on it and just. I think I think we should give up on it and move towards towards different uh, technology. I think yeah, the idea too. of I think the idea of crops as fuel it was a was a neat idea mm-hmm. up until the point where you know we really started seeing the advancement of of different renewable technologies and and even the advancement of electric technologies right so so really you know at the time you know you know if let's say the world stopped at you know essentially 1996 level technological advance levels i think it would be a great idea <laughs> right but in 2022 i don't think it's a great idea and the reason why is be- yeah. is is that we have better technology for you know, electric vehicles that's going to allow us to use food, you know, arable land that we're using for fuel as for food. Yeah. And that's, and that's the difference is, is that I think that, I think that, you know, in the nineties, it was a novel idea, but it, I think it unfortunately is going to go by the wayside because, you know, with the advent of better electrical technology and the, and the advent of, you know, better, better power storage and batteries it's just not going to be the same and i would argue too that as we look at different combustion technologies yeah that that'll all that also goes by the wayside like for example looking at you know hydrogen combustion engines Mm -hmm. for example geothermal like desalinization like these are multi-pronged purposes that come from nature i love it we got to stop burning things for our fuel it's antithetical to what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, if you think about <laughs> you know? it, if you, you know, you think about it this way. You know, we, you know, we're we are concerned about rising ocean levels. But if you were yeah. to number one desalinate ocean water for arable, you know, for for arable farmland, yeah, so that way you like they do in Israel, or and number two, you you know, use nuclear power to not just desalinate but to create liquid hydrogen so that way you can have hydrogen combustion engines suddenly you know every place on the coast is prime real estate for essentially hydrogen refineries Uh that allow you to ship liquid hydrogen off to you know hydrogen combustion engines the reality is is that you you know until you're able to produce enough electricity at a constant level that is going to constantly supply, you're still going to have the need for some type of a combustion engine. Now, you're always going to have a need for gas and oil. It's to reduce it to a point of luxury and not necessity. Not necessarily anymore. And that's the thing is, is that for now, yes, for the foreseeable future, yes, gas and oil are definitely going to still be a need. Do you know how many uh, especially oils? In heavy industry, heavy industries. But with the, the when you look at different combustion engine types, like for example, hydrogen combustion. Remember, we've developed battery technology and electric motor technology, and so at this point, what you're looking at is you're not even looking at these combustion engines being direct drive shaft propellers of right. your heavy equipment you're looking at them being chargers what turns a, yeah what turns a generator in order to charge your battery right and so so you still have the glories of the combustion engine keeping you powered up and keeping you going mm-hmm. but now you have something that's only burn off is water and water vapor and yes you will still need you know some level of petroleum products right. in order to keep the engine lubed up and working sure. but even still there might be there might be some places where that might not necessarily be the case anymore like especially if you can figure out like you know graphene uh, graphene in a lot of cases is a better lubricant or or plant-based oils or even uh, like an avocado extract there's all these things coconuts coconuts you know they make pesticides out of coconuts (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you can do amazing things with plant-based uh products yeah i'm not i'm just saying that there will always be a portion of the population that uses a petroleum product, either in their preservatives for their foods or for a luxury item that they own. You know what I mean? And and that's and 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 this was a thought that I was looking at. You know, yesterday it's you know people have you know, people wonder it's like well you just want you know petroleum to go away because it's evil. No, no not necessarily. No, no. Because there's you know when you look at you know I want petro- I want single use petroleums to go away. I want you right. Know, I want, I want things that are going to be rough, rugged, and stick around for a while. Like, for example, as as a shooter, like there's a lot of pieces of my rifle that are polymer. Mm-hmm. Like, I need 
rough, tough plastics. I want, you know, like I was bringing in my groceries the other day and, and rather than having like a, you know, a bunch of plastic bags, I've got these giant, you know, plastic totes that are collapsible that I literally just pop up, push out. And then I throw all my groceries and haul them inside. I'm not using. And so I'm not using bags to haul things back and forth, single use bags. I'm using this rough tumble plastic and one day it's going to break. And my expectation is, is that I send that off to be recycled and I pick up another rough tumble plastic thing that I can haul my stuff around. Recycling stud, Jeffrey. Nobody does it anymore. Sorry. Uh, and that's and that's what's so funny is, is like you know there's some there's some of these what i'm calling you know modernized old ways like for example uh being somebody who can't have milk right or have it i can only have it like very sparingly in certain things oh yeah it's 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 a bummer because you know when I finally found something that I liked, which was Costco's oat milk, you know, the packaging ah. was entirely recyclable. Like the, the cardboard case, break it down, recycle it. When I was finished with the milk, um, I could rinse out the, uh-huh. the carton, fold it flat, recycle it. Right. But then they stopped taking that as recyclable. Right. So now it's like, this thing that, you know, I bought that was going to be recyclable is no longer recyclable. So I ended up spending, I ended up spending a couple hundred bucks and I got myself some glass jugs and, and something that I can make my own milk with. Now I got to figure out my recipe right, and get it right. Um, so that's what I'm going to be tuning with later today is trying to figure out if, if I, you know, trying to f- figure out what my recipe is. I love that. But, I love that. But, Jeffrey. but essentially now it's like, I've got a self-contained system where I will literally be able to make my own, uh, oat milk, my own rice milk, yeah. my own coconut milk, if I want. And, and, and that's perfectly fine, you know? And, and, and that way it's like, you it's know, I'm using a fine. glass. It's so much I'm, more I'm using, than fine, man. I'm using these glass jugs that are, you know, going to be completely reusable. Well, why glass jugs? It's like, think about what your grandparents used to do for milk. Your great grandparents. Oh they had a milkman show yeah. up with glass jugs. <laughs> they still do. It's called Oberweiss in Chicago. The um, it's uh, oh. Smith Brothers. It's Smith oh. Brothers out here. I love it. Sorry. I know it's, you don't do milk, but my, my morning is based on it. <laughs> and I tried oh, that Fairlife stuff, which was like the, you know, I've tried the, I tried the oat milk creamers. I tried the almond milk. I tried the, all of the milks and I can't do it. It's just natural milk within reason. I can't have a whole lot, but I can have like a cup a day. Dude, like you have no idea what I would I would do if I if yeah. I if there was something I could do in order to have you know actual milk again. Right, like I can't have pasta, you know. It's like mm-hmm. deadly for my body. But I found these little dollar thirty nine um, packages of fiber, like pump pumpkin fiber. It's like condensed pumpkin fiber. I put mm-hmm. that in my pot, my homemade pasta sauce, and I was like, mm. well, I want some pasta. Holy cow, the pasta didn't stay long enough in my body to have an effect. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) So I got to eat pasta and bread and it just went, bye. (laughs) And I was like, Um, fuck yeah. The pasta that I found that's actually been really great is chickpea pasta. Ah, I like the Durham. Bonza. I like the Durham. Bonza. Oh, I love Durham too. Don't get me wrong. But this Bonza, this this Bonza is the chickpea pasta. It's actually really great. It is actually. When it says, when it says cook it for eight minutes, I mean, like at eight minutes, you pull that motherfucker out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause that pasta I made was like mashed potatoes, not quite mashed. It like cooked instantly. Like the water wasn't mm-hmm. even boiling at a full boil yet. And the pasta was done. And I was like, I don't know. What to, I, I don't eat a lot mm-hmm. of pasta, so I'm not very good at, I, I make homemade pasta a lot. You know, mm. if I'm going to eat pasta and make a homemade sauce, like Here's here's a breaking news for you. Warming up pasta sauce that comes out of a jar and pasta that's pre-made isn't cooking, it's warming. <laughs> Which know? case, you know, you know, I, I warm a lot of stuff up. And that's well, perfectly yeah, fine. That is perfectly I don't have enough fine. time. Yeah. You know, and that's and I think that's one of the things is like, you know, there are some things for convenience. Oh yeah, when Debbie sits down and makes a, a, a homemade pasta sauce, yeah. it's fucking incredible. But, you know, when you are limited on time, you have to do what you can. And I'm not saying I go out and get ragu, but at the same time, I'm also not, you know, you know, spending a premium on something that has something in Italian that I can't pronounce. Either. Right. I bought, I bought, I bought 10 big cans of tomato sauce. 
because I was going to make mm-hmm. tomato pasta sauce. It was two for one. And instead of buying me 10 and charging me five, she got me 20 and charged me for 10. So I had 20 jars of pasta, like tomato sauce. So I have to learn how to make, and I got Mason jars and yeah, I just make sauce. I put it in my, in my, you know, cabinet or I had it in my fridge actually. And yeah, mm-hmm. when I wanted pasta, I just, but then I stopped eating pasta cause it hurt my body. So I wanted to make chicken whatever i don't know i don't know i like the sauce hate the pasta but i love that you made oat milk that is so cool we need to do that that's how we get rid of these preservatives and additives into our stuff because it's just they put it in the in the stuff to make it last longer until it gets to us but we don't need that stuff in it if we make it at the point of us right Mm -hmm. like i don't know why people want ready-made things I understand if you're at work and you're, you're having a lunch, you want something you can just heat in the microwave, but you can't live your life like that on the go like that, that we weren't built for the fast food was made for fast moments, not for every moment. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, and I think one of the other things too, that we have to look at, you know, is, is that there are certain things that work as as preservatives that you know we've kind of lost touch with like yeah. for example salt or citrus you know those are things that do great at killing bacteria or inhibiting its growth and then right. when you cook it everything goes away and you're per- you're left with a perfectly good thing i think that that some of that is starting to come back into some of that mentality there's some they're like there's some stuff you can get at costco that's absolutely great uh-huh i mean it is amazing and it has next to no preservatives in it or they're moving towards things like you know sea salt water or yeah. you know, using citrus as a way of preserving things and it's fantastic it is instead of falsifying it by like adding a carb and calling it light because you removed a sugar just give us a little less of the organic product <laughs> you know <laughs> like right there's ways to do it and i love that we're starting to pay attention to our food again you know mm-hmm. like i really honestly think that mcdonald's there's that commercial Oh, how, when was the last time you were in a drive-thru? When was the last time you bought a fresh fruit or vegetable through the drive-thru? I don't go to drive-thrus. I order Instacart. So I just throw oranges in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> all I can think of now is, is that one time that somebody at a grocery store did that where they packaged fruit like they did meat. Right. And then somebody added a boneless sticker to it. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's what I think of when I think of like drive up, you know, like that fast food fruit yeah. vegetables. Like, hey, is this banana going to be boneless? Right. But I think McDonald's would have healthier stuff if they realized that we are leaning towards healthier products, you know? Like, I think that's, you know, that's one of those things where you know, you, they definitely tried at one point, but they really did a bad job of it. They really and, did a bad job putting 76 ingredients into a ve- vegetarian burger. So you could say it was a vegetarian burger, but defying every other law of nutrition to do it was gross. Burger King, like, just gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things like the impossible Whopper, you know, and and impossible or beyond. Like if you look at it pound for pound, you know, that stuff usually has more things that are worse for you than a fucking hamburger. Yeah. Just eat the hamburger. And I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that, you know, the hamburgers at, you know, I'm not saying that the hamburger at, you know, McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or wherever is any better. Right. That's, that's the thing is I'm talking about what I, you know, what I buy from a grocery store versus, you know, buying, you know, beyond or impossible. And that's, that's the real honest truth. Uh Uh-huh. And so, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, do I want plant-based options to be available for people? Absolutely. Like, there's some really great, you know, plant-based options out there that taste good. And when I'm not in the mood for a greasy ass burger, that's going to you know, make right. me shit myself later, you know, maybe I'll try something that's, you know, a vegetable and, but that's, and go that, that route. That's the important thing to understand that big greasy burger isn't your only option every day now anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you could actually, you could have a meatless Monday, you know, and see how that goes. Cause I'll tell you, once you start realizing the different things you can use in a meatless meal, you're going to want more days to try meatless products, you know? 
For me, I, I I recognize that like I go in phases. Like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't ever go like completely meatless, but there will be days where I'm just like, I need some fucking plant material in my stomach. Right, like, I need something like that, and then that's what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll get something like that in my system. But I'm the opposite way. I'm like I want a burger right now. Like I just want a pound of bacon right now, and you're not going to stop me. I don't, you know, I don't. There's the what what is that Def- definitions don't exist absolutes don't exist so i'm never going to mm-hmm. say i'm never going to and i'm going to enjoy it when i have it right i'm not going to kill mm-hmm. myself because i'm eating what's available to me but i do want it to be the best version of what i could be eating i went to uh, cracker barrel right and i looked at the mm-hmm. oh, i was looking at the menu and i was like i really want a hamburger i really want a hamburger maybe i should get uh the chicken fried steak and the lady came to the table and she's like what can i get you and i was like could i get the uh grilled chicken salad (laughs) (laughs) and the lady set it down and my friend looked at him at me and i'll tell you his thought wasn't like that's weird he started asking me about what he's eating now like he's telling me like is this good i had i had frozen pizza and i have to tell him well that's got a fruit that's got a cheese that's got a you know it's got all the ingredients that you would want for a balanced meal you know and he's like Mm -hmm. i don't believe you and i'm like no it's true you get everything you need in your balanced meal the only thing you're getting in addition to that is the additives and preservatives that they put in there to make sure it was fresh when it got to you Mm -hmm. and he likes that but you know like even the waitress was like you're ordering a salad like in Florida, Pensacola, you're ordering a salad. It was delicious. It was great. You know, <laughs> my body felt well, and amazing. That's, and that's one of those things like, you know, we all just have to recognize where we're at uh-huh. too. And <clears throat> some people, you know, they're going to want more plant material. Some people oh, yeah. want more meat and, and sometimes you're going to fluctuate, you know, you're going to go through stages where you're like, Oh yeah, I need some more plant material. Oh, right. I need some more meat. And that's, and that's just part of, you know, the way your the human body works. I'm putting them together right now. Like I'm having a salad and frozen burritos or like a salad and pasta or, and I'm combining it now. And it's, it's so cool. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just so cool to, it's not that I have, and it's not that I've reached an age where I need more of this stuff. It's just that my body has always needed this balanced diet and I've never taken the time to do it because I've always used fast food as a crutch to get through the moment. You know what I mean? And I, I finally have the time to make that better, to make my diet better, to make myself. I'm, I'm in a relationship with myself. I'm self dating. And so all of the joy that I would give on to a partner, I give unto myself and my diet is one of those things. Yeah. Or, you know, me being the smart ass that I am, I'm in a relationship with myself and tend to go fuck myself a lot. <laughs> oh, I do that. I do that too. I do that. Well, not nutritionally, <laughs> just in every other way possible. I mean, that's pretty much me in, in every possible way. Right. So, but I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, we have to be, we have to be more open about, you know, the fact that, you know, like this, this weird fucking, like this weird time where you have, people screaming at each other to eat more plants or eat more meat and this right. that, and the other it's like how about y'all listen to what your body's screaming for and you just go with that you know and if yeah. for you it's more plants go with that if it's more meat go with that you know all i can say is is that everybody's body has a different equilibrium point and you have to figure out what yours is and, right. and you have to be smart and healthy about it that's right yeah you're not me and i'm not you we have different dietary systems why would i judge you for how you're eating why would you judge me for how i'm eating you know what i mean it'd be like it'd be like me it'd be like you telling me to have more milk oh, right fuck you <laughs> that's gonna hurt right you know i yeah my buddy's telling me that you know my friend's telling me that i'm gonna die because i drink too much milk and i'm like oh that's the guy with leukemia <laughs> <laughs> right you know it's or you know I, you know or you got the vegan who tells you that you need to eat vegan because it's the healthier option yet you know they're absolutely miserable miserable they're literally eating fucking lays and oreos right and it's like it's like look you, you can tell me to eat vegan all you want but you're not convincing me that this is the better option what you're showing me is is that you're miserable by eating vegan right you're not getting any better and, and i don't know that it's necessarily the vegan diet so much as it is the quality of what you eat and that's the difference that's the i made 
I made biscuits one Thanksgiving and my friend was like, these are great. And he had another one. These are great. And he had another one. He's like, these are great. The next day he's like, I finished those rolls, you know, a whole cake pan full of rolls. And I was like, that's, I'm so proud of you. And he was like, why? And I was like, cause those are the gluten-free. I didn't have any like regular flour. So I used my gluten-free and he was like, really? That's gluten-free. He was like, yeah, I got to try more gluten-free. And I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not depriving you. It's just a different version of something, you know? <laughs> and that's, you know, and, and that's one of those things, like, for example, like, you know, Debbie got me this Nordic baking book. And one of the things about it is, is that, you know, they used a variety of different um different flowers different yeah. grains and you know it's it's you know you made different breads based on what you had available to you yeah and that's where a lot of this comes from it's it's not that you know it's not that you know you shouldn't have i mean for some people it's, it's you shouldn't have gluten period but it's the idea there's also the idea there too that it's like you know you can branch out and you can do different things now this is where i'm going to caveat all of this, you know, uh, especially growing up with, especially like living with people who have, you know, uh, certain mental needs around their food, for example, like texture is a big issue. Taste oh is gosh, a big yeah. issue, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, that's, that's another one of those things where, you know, call it what you will, but in a way, you know, if, you know, for those of us who have, you know, who like to have diverse palates, who choose to have diverse palates, you know, um, we can't, single out and we can't you know deny the fact that there are people out there that have issues with any number of things like for example like i can understand why some people would have issues with certain gluten-free things like the texture can be sandy it can be coarse like it can taste drier than than any sure. number of things sure. you know and and for me like i can be like okay this isn't what i expected but i'm okay with this or i'm good with this or oh hey this actually turned out to be awesome but that that change in this is what I'm used to. This is my thing. And you get something new in there and it completely, you know, can derail a person. And oh, so, agrees, you, you, know, for, you know, for some people, it's like, you literally have to set up the expectation. Hey, I didn't have this. It's going to be this. And then, you yeah. know, they'll pretty much, they'll try it. And if they have it, great. And if they can't have it, great. You know, and that's what it boils down to is, is that everybody, like you said, you know, my body's not yours, your body's not mine. And yeah. the idea that we have to, you know, tell each other what to do with them is just absolutely insane. But that's also the point of what I'm trying to get. I love this, this whole hour about making your own food, knowing what's in your own food. Every baker can counter for that drying grittiness in their gluten-free meals. I've been to bakeries where they, they make eclairs that would blow your mind. If you mm -hmm. counter for it, if you put thought into it, if you've made it four or five times, every time you first, the first time you make something, it's going to be gross because it's not tailored for you. It's a general recipe that somebody else made for them. But if you find a simple recipe, like a banana bread recipe and make that in your parameters, it will be so amazing and it'll be unique. And other people will be like, that's amazing. You know what I mean? It's my different. personal favorite was uh, somebody made the point of adults aren't picky eaters. They only buy the things that they like to eat. Right. And then complain <laughs> that their kids are picky eaters, you know, and that's, and that's, and I sat there for a second. I was like, yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. You know, I buy the things that I want to eat. And then if somebody doesn't want to eat that, it's like, what are you a picky eater? right wait no. what am i doing we all want different we, we, we all want a variety but we make that we don't spend the time making it and that's why i'm saying when you go to burger king or mcdonald's you're you're buying somebody else's version of flavor and you want your own and you can do that like i i can my own chili beans i think it's an amazing thing because i can add the spice i want hey hey mm -hmm. do you know i tried making this new recipe I filled uh, my deer meat with pickles, but all I got was dildo. <laughs> I did that. I did that to Emily one time. Uh, Emily you makes filled these... Emily with dildo. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. I love you, Emily. I'm sorry. She's one of my favorite people that I don't know. <laughs> so Emily would make these uh, these dill biscuits, and they were absolutely amazing. <laughs> And, and so we were over there one time and, you know, she was with an ex and, and, the, and his kid and we're all sitting there and I'm just kind of like, uh, 
I'm just kind of, you know, my brain is churning because I see dill biscuits and of course I'm going dildo, 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 dildo. And, and so we're sitting there and I was just like, Hey, can I try your dildo? And the kid snickers and Emily's just like, Oh, <laughs> everybody starts <laughs> laughing. And then they're like, wait, look at the kid. What do you mean? How do you know what that is? <laughs> right. That starts a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Oh, so, funny. so is, should that be dill comma dough <laughs> or just should there be a dodo. pause in there no 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 it's, it's, we go with the european standard and call it dough dill dildo dildo <laughs> dodil. Dodil. man i had a lot in my note and i don't i don't think we got to any of it other than the wheat thing i think that's so cool hey did right. you know that uh five west point graduates including two football players um died from fentanyl that's okay wait that's in fort light fort lauderdale let's see yeah and so yeah they were on spring break fentanyl laced cocaine cocaine. yeah 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 yeah. cocaine laced with fentanyl now damn boy damn boy yeah so this is where like the underground market is really something terrifying to me when you think about like because because right now it's like you know it is a dangerous time to be out buying street drugs right you've got you've got you know, you've got everything being laced with fentanyl yeah. and that shit, it, like even in a hospital setting, just, just to keep this in mind for people, that shit is hard to control in a hospital setting, having the proper drugs and the proper staff, right? Let alone on your own, not knowing the quality of what you're getting. Like, mm. and that's, what's terrifying is, is that that stuff is fucking potent to the point where it'll collateral damage officers like that are having to deal with it. Yep. So this is what people need to understand is, is like, like, this is like one of the most dangerous times, you know, you know, especially as kids, like, you know, growing up, we always heard the horror stories of, Oh, weed laced with PCP weed laced with, you know, uh-huh. uh, any number of things. PCP right. Wiki stick. But mm, loved wiki stick. But now, you know having stuff laced with fentanyl like i've like out here i've heard of you know street weed being laced with fentanyl i've heard of of yeah like like you know fentanyl is a huge problem out here it's a a huge problem everywhere that's kind of my point that's terrifying like you know and you know this is where you know one of those things where it's like as much as i don't like the idea of necessarily having a bunch of government regulation there are times and places where it is somewhat important and you know at least out here in the legal weed market you know your weed can only contain weed no pesticides no other things right that's you know, and, and, you know, that's one of the great things about like having, you know, this service out here is, is that, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to have to worry about going into a store out here and worry that, you know, something I'm picking up is going to be laced with something else. Right. That That's the, this is the biggest call for legalization of all drugs is just to stop this legalized cocaine would, would fix this. You know, yeah. I mean, it would stop I mean, this instantly. The only reason these kids from West Point died is because you made cocaine illegal and enticing and dangerous all at the same time. And it got and and then it got cut with something. And that's yeah. and that's the problem. You know, all well, of those who things, did the cutting. That's that's the issue. It's always going to be cut. But can you trust the person and what they're using to cut it with? Cocaine I mean, is a the, very strong, strong fucking drug, you know? Well, and that was the thing too, oh, is that's that you had, Sorry. well, y- even back in the day you had, uh, what was it? That was always, what was Baby uh, there, were peop- there were people that would lace cocaine with liquid plumber. Oh yeah. Oh, like that's like, you think about that. That's fucking insane right there. Yeah. I think that's what led to crack was that they started throwing all this weird stuff in cocaine. So you, you wanted to cook it out and make it pure and just have cocaine again. And then people were like, I don't want to cut this rock up. It's too hard. Just smoke it. Holy shit. <laughs> I can't feel my body. Give me more. Yeah. And, and so like, you think about, yeah. you think about where, 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 
drugs are at. Like, this is actually, like, you know, everybody was like, oh, this is a scary time back in the day. And it's like, yeah. apparently it's child's play compared to shit laced with fentanyl these days. Right. Fentanyl like, and on its own was made to be strong. Heroin on its own was made to be pure. <laughs> you put those two together, you got strong as pure. That's bad. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, people who fucking smoked opium or used opium never, you know, gotten yeah. most of the same effects <laughs> right. and, and none of this shit. Right. They wrote books like asleep. Sir Conan Doyle did. You know? <laughs> right. So, so that's, what's crazy about it is, is yeah. that, you know, is, is, it is a weird, it is a weird market right now in, in, in underground drugs yeah. because it is a deadly market in underground drugs. And, you know, you look at, you know, when you look at especially opioids in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, you know, not like, not looking at like cocaine or weed or anything, but you look at the opioid you know, epidemic and how it played into the rise of, you know, heroin usage, and terrorism. you know, that's, it's, it's absolutely wild how now this has changed to people just trying to get their fix from anything. And that includes fentanyl. Well, you know, you know, um, What's the guy's name? We killed him. Al Qaeda. Wait, no. Bin Laden. Bin Laden. Bin Laden's money came from opioid fields. You know, like the opioid crisis here. Opium. Yeah. Opi- yeah. The opi- a- opioid crisis here was funded. You know, 9 11. That's what funded 9 11. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yep. In a way. You know what I mean? Poppies. Oh, yeah. Because that's where they grow and that's who harvests them as terrorists. That's who takes over the lands that they're on. That's the trade. Unless you're drilling for oil. You know what a cool new invention is, Jeffrey? It's so cool. What? There's a pillow, a hugging pillow that has a bladder in it that inhales and exhales like a real person. And it's supposed to use to cure anxiety, especially in like students with anxieties. I think this is an interesting one, isn't it? And then when you think about it, breathing next to you, don't you think that's a little creepy? Could have put that in something. That's where my brain initially, I'm like, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. Well, my, my initial thought was, does it have a vagina? But that's me. (laughs) If you can combine the two, I don't really need to date ever again. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, I'm sure you could probably shove a flashlight in that thing. Yeah. 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 I got (laughs) you. Something to have something to hold. But I think that's such a cool idea. And my friend Katie Anderson had that on Twitter. And I, I, I told her, I was like, I don't know if it's a hugging thing, but if you put that in a teddy bear, I'd be all over that shit, you know? Yeah. Then suddenly the teddy bear just like grabs you and holds you and never lets you go. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Ah, oh, Jeffrey. The, the clingy teddy bear. So I don't know if you know who this is. One of my favorite people on the planet and my personal friends, Haley Bieber, was hospitalized. She suffered a blood clot and in her brain and she was taken to the hospital and it was more of a bigger deal than it sounds her body passed it on its own but i wanted to throw that story in to say i never had reason to feel compassion for justin bieber but i know what it's like to have your spouse in the hospital with a brain condition and i really mm-hmm. feel for him and man i hope he just understands the love that he has and i hope they realize that could have been a lot worse. And I want to say to Haley, congratulations on surviving it. You're a beautiful person, I guess. I didn't know you existed until this story. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, this, you know, in the past two weeks, I've known three people, you know, that have had to bury people, you know, thanks to COVID. And you, you don't, you don't really think about how, lucky some people are to survive and how lucky some people are that you know they just barely escape with their life if if you can consider it lucky you know i think one of the things that we're we're going to have to address in this country is how do we how do we get enough healthcare providers um post covid because that's that's really a huge problem for all of us at this point is the lack of sustainable health care. And unfortunately, what you saw during the pandemic burnt out a lot of people in healthcare. And it's really unfortunate that that's what we're going to be dealing with for the foreseeable future. And you know, and, and that's you know, one of the things that we have to really think about too is is 
we may not necessarily like certain people, but you, you can still be empathetic and compassionate towards, you know, hard times oh, yeah. uh, and, and, and very stressful situations in a person's life. We can go back to, you know, you know, shitting on Justin Bieber later, but it's, you know, there's, there's, there's enough, there should still be enough humanity there that when somebody has to deal with something terrifying, a crisis of sorts that, you know, can put aside being an asshole long enough to say, Hey, yeah, you know, hope, hope your, hope your, your other part gets better. Public access America. It's always funny because like, especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit even amongst other libertarians. I think political philosophy is a lot like religion and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main, the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone. And you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. But you can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History in the making, making history in the making, in the making, in the making. It's it's one of the scariest things when your spouse is, is hospitalized. You know, like I feel for anybody that goes through that. I feel for anybody that gets into a relationship because I know there's going to be a point when that is a situation. You know, and I feel I feel so much empathy for both of them. I'm so glad it was just a simple thing for her. But like, like I said, I didn't, I don't really know much about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm happy. I'm happy to know that I have something in common with him. Let's see. Hey, San Francisco's first tiny home village for the homeless people is open um, with each home costing about an average of fifteen thousand dollars. What they did was they had a they had a park that they turned into a homeless sanctuary where people would be safe, you know, like a sanctuary city for homeless people. And they then turned that park into a tiny home village (laughs) with electricity and cabinets and a dining room. And I think it's really neat. I think it's a great idea. You know, I can't wait to see how that goes. It's fantastic. You know, and, and that's, I mean, I personally would like to see things done a little bit differently. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, people are going to have to embrace are things like, you know, high rise villages and and things Uh like that. Yeah. You know, and better construction, more solid construction for things like that. It's like, yeah, it's going to be fucking concrete. Sure. But um, soundproof the shit out of it. And then, you know, make sure that you have enough space for people enough, um, Make sure you have enough um, services within uh-huh. that building, you know, however you decide to do it. So that way, you know, your services are located in one part of the building uh, away from people who can get in and, you know, lock down really nicely. Right. And then that way it's, you know, you're, you're better, you know, like those central services, whether you decide to go with the tiny home model or, you know, the high rise apartment model. There's, there's definitely a way to do it or transition that I think the tiny home duplex is a start. I don't think it should be considered storage. I like your idea that it should be inclusive, that it should meet the needs of the people that are using it. But I do like your idea of even then transitioning to a more permanent high rise or, you Mm -hmm. know, a community with the stores. I mean, you know. I just think that's neat. If you meet people's needs where they are, you're going to find little communities I mean, like this. You but, think about you, you think about that. You know, you have you know the living the the living facilities above, and let's say uh-huh. you have the food bank. You have the food bank down on the first floor. You have a even. post office that also is your bank account. You have the Walgreens, which is also your urgent care. You have the grocery store, which is also your. Uh, medical needs, you know, pharmacy, whatever you have, you have stores that could double as things. You have institutions that could double as things, you know, your, your post office could be where you sign up for your Medicare or your Obamacare, or you have somebody that helps you signing up for what it is you need. Cause you don't
don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And you don't know how to sign up for it. But having somebody there that helps you, that changes everything. Having having the, the technology there that you know uh-huh. people need in order to sign up for some of this stuff. Right. And I want to say, I'm really happy with whatever community this is in. Because in Florida, we chase the homeless people out of parks. You created a fucking community out of yours for people that needed a community. So thank you for that. And I want to say also to the San Francisco Gazette, if you put a paywall up, I can't fucking do much about supporting your stories. So, you know, get, get past that. I don't know what to do about uh, that. I know you need the money, the, but it these, can't all, all be behind a paywall. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like all these news sites are behind paywalls. And even then it's like, you got a fuck ton of advertisements. Yeah. It's like, what is it? Are you going to advertise? So that way I can get the paper is right. going to be paywall. Cause if I'm going to pay for it, then I don't want the fucking ads. Right. That's it. And I can't, but I can't go along. I can't go around subscribing to the gazettes and, and little newspapers of the world. At some point, something has to be free. One of the stories that you're promoting should at least be free while you're promoting it on social media. I understand once it's not being promoted, it should go behind a paywall, but you can't promote it and then advertise on it and paywall it all at the same time and expect people to read it or talk about it on a national level with the got the same issue with the newspaper out here yeah i know that it's you know it's behind a paywall and there's a shit ton of advertisements on the site and then the other part is is that a lot of the times the fucking writing is like eighth grade level it's like that's the other thing i'm not paying i'm not paying you know fucking 10 bucks a month for this this is not worth it to me that's right and you don't know until you subscribe and then you find out it's all garbage you know what i mean I, I, I'm not like going to pay 10 months. If I'm going to pay 10 bucks a month to have an article surrounded by ads, I, it's going to be the worst $10 that I've ever spent. Right. And I want to know if that's worth it before I spend it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend it to find out it's garbage and I'm committed for a year, you know? Right. Mm-mm. And and on top of that, it's like, it, it gets to the point where like most of the community articles, like if there's something really important that the community needs to know, you can't even fucking access it. It's like, that's right. you know, they literally like here for the longest, you know, initially anything related to the coronavirus was a free article. So you could, you could literally just open up anything related to coronavirus and, and, you know, read it from there. Fucking liberals. <laughs> <laughs> Your access to information astounds the conservatives around you. You know what I mean? So you put it behind a paywall and then you're like, why are people watching Fox News? You know, Marco Rubio was like, we need to increase domestic oil. I'll end on this one as far as me. And I, I try, I wanted to explain to him, uh, domestic gas and oil, it's never been in more production under any other administration. Like we didn't reduce it after Trump. We're still going at full capacity. The only way we could increase it is if we encroached on state parks and state preserves and lands. And that would mean you're not a conservative because you don't believe in conservator of the land. You know what I mean? And I was, I, I wanted to ask Marco Rubio, do you know where hunters hunt? (laughs) <laughs> you know, the lands that people, Americans use for their sustenance, you know, gun owners hunt. Where do hunters hunt? Like, don't take that land away from them if you don't need to. We're not in this crisis because um, we're not taking in Russian oil. We're in this crisis because gas and oil knows that we already predicted there would be an increase in prices. So they increased prices to make up the revenue they're losing in their investments in Russia. It's not going up because it needs to go up. It's going up because everybody says it's going to go up. And that's, and, 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 and for example, like we're the number one oil producer in the world. Been that way since like what? I think 2015. (laughs) Exactly. When we cross that, we produce 18 billion barrels per day or 18 million barrels per day. Russia five. Uh, of of oil and uh, like 11 million barrels of distillates crude oil distillates and stuff like that like we are the largest producer period it's just that you know we are a capitalist market and we sell our oil to other places rather than supplying americans well it goes it goes on to a global 
It goes into exactly. yeah, and the global prices take over from that. And the other thing Plus, is the Keystone pipeline would not help this. <laughs> it's no. not it's not the quality oil we would use, and it wouldn't be done. It wouldn't be well, done. And here's the thing: is is we need to we need to clarify something. The Keystone pipeline exists and is functioning. It's that XL diversion point that uh, they were wanting to add on. To. Ah, okay. So. That's it. And, you know, like, and like you said, pipelines don't produce oil. It only transports it. Exactly. The, and that was the issue is, is that, you know, do, what would that, you would need to have a bigger and better pipeline all the way down to the Gulf in order to get, you know, quote unquote, more production done. And everybody kept going, oh, this is going to cost jobs. It's going to cost jobs. And it's like the whole fucking thing made 40 permanent jobs. Right. That's it. It's like, yeah, sure. There was some, there was going to be some work for a little bit while they put in this pipeline, a thousand but it wasn't workers. permanent. A thousand workers, but it wasn't permanent jobs, right? And that's the problem. Is is that you know, it's not like those permanent. It's not like those pipeliners were just magically going to appear and then magically going to disappear. Those right. pipeliners went to you know went to work on another project. Period. End of story. And this is to transfer oil sand right not oil tar sands but yeah tar sands and then it it's processed and the, it but you can't use that in your cars like we don't use that here you know yeah it gets processed down into different products and distillates and yeah, yeah, and yeah. essentially used as as what they call bunker fuel and it's because it's dirty it's nasty and that's essentially what like the maritime shipping industry uses mm. in order to and if, in case you haven't noticed, like we have a problem with our ports not being able to uh, offload ships as it is. So, right. Um, well, guess who else is price, price gouging in this day and age? It's the people shipping everything. <laughs> and and I mean, the reality is, is is that when you have an organization like OPEC, oil prices are artificially high because yeah, these countries are not producing at a rate that would allow for the lowest possible price right they are literally agreeing to what the price is going to be and then taming their production based on that they're colluding which is against the law in america to do if yeah you can't have in america you can't have cartels right but because it's an oil industry we literally function because the price function simply works the way that it does because of a cartel in another part of the world and that just means we have an arab dick in our mouth you know, to get oil, like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta find it more important to not support tyranny (laughs) and move to green energy than it is to suck a dictator's dick. Energy diversification. Like we've talked about multiple times. So yes, there's going to be the need for oil and and we need to make sure that those demands are being met here. But at the same time too, if you have a diverse energy source, a diverse power storage source and a diverse usage source, right. Things like this don't fuck with your daily life as bad. Boom. Love it. Hey, do you have any, uh, any just the tips before we sign off? Um, don't eat the yellow snow. Don't eat the yellow <laughs> snow is always a good one. You know, uh, I would say uh, my just the tip is make sure you do like regular maintenance, especially for yourself. It's important. Keeps your head in the right spot. I love that. The other day I shaved my body top to bottom. I never felt better. Never felt better. Thanks for you being here. Change that razor blade. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Because the bottom had an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. I love you. Love you too. Yay. Okay. And 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 to those who would tear defeat you this is our moment this is our time to those who seek peace and security we support you yes we can and to all those who have wondered if america's beacon still burns as bright tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth but from the enduring power of our ideals democracy liberty opportunity and unyielding hope let me tell you something you already know Hard as life. Ask not.
Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. To public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams Sunday on live YouTube. Streams. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. On Twitter. 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 What? Apple Podcasts, Podcast. Stitcher, Stitcher Smart, Smart Radio, 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 Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access public America. Access history America. in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.